It's episode 55 of Aaron and Patricia. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And uh, you're joining us uh, for what is the 55th episode of our show. And uh, we have a bit of an announcement to make. Uh, this is actually going to be the season finale of Aaron and Patricia, at least in uh, this form. So um, just to give everyone a bit of a recap on everything that's kind of going on. So um, we've been doing the show now for about 55 episodes. So we've uh, been doing it for quite a significant amount of time. But as you probably notice, um, the show really hasn't progressed as much as we like. And uh, so um, the reason why that is is because uh, right now Patricia is uh, over at uh, university, over at uh, doing her uh, broadcast journalism degree, and I'm currently also working nine to five doing my job too. So um, as you probably imagine, the only time we ever get uh, you know to sit down and actually you know talk about the show is probably like maybe half an hour, like you know during the week, and then actually you know having a couple of hours uh, every Sunday to actually put the show together and everything like that, and. Uh, our time to basically dedicate to anything else to make anything you know better or do any kind of like other uh, alternative work uh, you know for this podcast unfortunately just gets keep thrown in by the wayside and this is a problem that we've been having for probably like months on end so as you can probably imagine we have enough time to actually kind of like put the show together for that week and then have enough time to actually record the show but besides that we don't get any chance to do, like do any improvements to the show or do anything like that. So, uh, what um, me and Patricia have decided to do as a production decision is that we're basically going to be taking a hiatus for about a month. And so, by the time we get back in June, we hope that, uh, oh, sorry, it should be uh, May. Sorry, I should say. By the time we get back in May, hopefully, we'll have um, you know a better show. Hopefully, we'll be able to move back into our uh, our old studio. Finally, because uh, we are looking to try and reopen Studio One again instead of like, doing the uh, the show I've been doing during the pandemic in the Let's Play room, which uh, was originally supposed to be for doing our own plays. But as you can probably imagine, it's been used for uh, basically putting the show together. So uh, we've decided that you know enough of going on autopilot. We're going to take a month off. Um, doesn't mean that we're not going to post any content. So uh, for the next month or so, you're going to see episodes of Dream Machine and also episodes of Pixmix being being uh, put up to uh, obviously make up the fact that the not the entire sh the entire Pix Mix and uh, Dream Machine uh, show has basically been put up on uh, the Aaron Meta Show podcast feed, so that's going to be done uh, during that month. But uh, right now, we basically need to concentrate on making the show better and moving back into our old digs, and uh, we can't do that whilst also broadcasting at the same time. So we've made the decision: we're going to take a month out, we're going to move back into our old studio, we're going to put we're going to put some polish on the podcast that we're currently doing now, and hopefully by the time we get back to May, uh, we'll have a polished new show. Uh, we'll have the Aaron Meta show back as well, which I'm hoping that uh, we're going to do that good do that too and uh, also that we're going to continue doing like, things like in search of the crystal skull we're going to continue doing all the other good stuff that we do me and patricia and uh, yeah but uh, for the meantime um you're going to be hearing from us for you know you'll be hearing from us in uh, in picked mix and in dream machine form at least on the aaron Metal show podcast feed but for the meantime we need to concentrate on doing stuff behind the scenes and that's what we're going to be concentrating on so have i explained that enough in the last three and a half minutes do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, going into not only just with Erin uh, and Patricia, but also with myself as well, because um, of myself with going through like the last few weeks of my semester, final exams are going to be coming up as well as some other projects. So 
I will probably be doing things such as I've already had four episodes of casual chats pre-recorded as well as four podcast interviews. So I will be releasing those on Mondays and Fridays. And then uh, I will be focusing on trying to, you know, polish my stuff together as well. And, you know, hopefully in the future, make some better content for you guys. But in the meanwhile, I need to concentrate on just um, all of this and many more. So I hope that you guys understand. Yeah. So um, a lot of it is going to be backstage stuff now. Uh, we're going to start broadcasting for a month and uh, we're just basically going to get uh, everything all up to date. So that's going to be the uh, the work that we're going to put in over the next month. So, yeah. yeah. So we hope you enjoy this show. And coming up on this show, uh, basically we want to start off by saying Happy Easter to everybody. I hope everyone's uh, enjoying the Easter. And uh, I definitely did. I spent time with the family. And uh, also um, I uh, managed to uh, eat a lot of chocolate. So nice. can't say can't say it's not been a bad Easter, yeah, given the circumstances. So um, also coming up on the show, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Mehdi Hassan's comments on the Republican Party on MSNBC. We're going to be talking about HR4, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. And we're going to be talking to you about uh, how, what, the day that Mario died, apparently, on the March 31st. Uh, why? We're going to be telling you our comments on the Space Jam, a new legacy trailer. We're also going to be tell- talking about 20 years since uh, Sega left the console business. Also, SpongeBob SquarePants, another uh, controversial episode has been removed from the lineup. Uh, Reggie Villamarie's is going to be retiring from GameStop uh, board. We're going to tell you about that as well. Uh, Metroid uh, Prime 2D demo has been released. We're going to tell you all about that too. And also we're going to be recapping on our month of In Search of the Crystal Skull during our adventure in Hidden Gems Month. You are listening to Aaron and Patricia on the 4th of April 2021. So Patricia, uh, you're going to be telling everybody what's currently on the Old School Lane podcast. Yes. So uh, this Monday, I am going to be posting up a new episode of Casual Chats, where myself, Taylor, White Boy Wyatt a, a, uh, from Toon Grimm, um, and new guests such as uh, Michael McKinney, aka Fusionator, and Paul Thomas, uh, we had discussed about Adventure Time in honor of its anniversary, which is coming up tomorrow. So I thought it would be the perfect time for us to talk about it. And uh, I also have another uh, interview coming up for this Friday, so stay tuned for that. But if you want to be able to see what I have going up right now, a new episode of Casual Chats that I posted up last Monday, which uh, coincided with the 20th anniversary of Invader Zim. And I had CB Johnny from Operation Head Pigeons join me on the podcast. And we talked about how he first got introduced to the show, favorite characters, favorite episodes, and uh, going really deep into the Invader Zim fandom, which is something that I didn't know about. Because, I, I mean, the both of us, we know about the Hey Arnold fandom, but Invader Zim fandom is like a completely different matter. Although at the same time, they're kind of similar in a lot of ways. So It, it has a significant cult following of Invader Zim, doesn't it? Isn't it like uh, oh, yes, it's, it yeah it's uh, like it's got very dedicated fans i think we can definitely say it does oh yeah i mean they were the ones who did like the fan fix the fan art they coast they they pretty much started a fan convention called invader com where they actually brought in the cast and crew of the show they actually did one on the 20th anniversary on twitch which you can go check out on twitch.tv slash wasabi anime and also, they were responsible for, you know, putting together the uh, Soapy Waffles, uh, Mopiness of Doom um, project, where, you know, a lot of people who loved Invader Zim were animating an episode that had never been produced. Uh, they got the the guys who recorded the audio, and then Soapy Waffles and a few people uh, who were dedicated Zim fans animated it. Uh, it's not finished, I mean, and I don't think it will be finished anytime soon because they're busy with other stuff, but nonetheless... 
Um, it's on YouTube. Go check it out. Uh, you know, all the hard work they put in. And we also even talked briefly about like even in the in the industry of animation, how it influenced people, such as uh, Steven Universe creator Rebecca Sugar, who is a massive Invader Zim fan, and she even created Peridot as an inspiration. And she wrote the foreword for the Invader Zim art book. So, yes, I would highly recommend that you go listen to the podcast and you will hear me geek about Invader Zim for over an hour. Awesome. Okay, uh, moving on with the show. Uh, so, Mandy Hassan is a uh, progressive commentator who recently went from the UK, was on Al Jazeera doing head to head, and uh, this he was uh, the one who basically did the uh, in, in, you know uh, the embarrassing interview of Richard Tice, who uh, ended up uh, comparing uh, the troubles in Northern Ireland to uh, Smarties in a jar. So, like uh, you can probably imagine, it was uh, he has uh, torn apart many people, including a lot of Trump people. I think we should definitely say. Uh, so, um, just to uh, prerequisite this, um, Patricia, did you see the video of uh, the Republican uh, Congresswoman uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene doing these really awkward, like, uh, routines of, like, uh, you know, lifting weights and, like, uh, really wobbling on a bar? Do you see that at all, or um, no? I have yeah, not. okay, okay. It looks really embarrassing. <laughs> I would, uh, if, if anyone is uh, a fitness guru, I think you would wince at what she was doing. But uh, you know, she's living so well. But uh, this uh, brought in an interesting conversation on MSNBC, and I have to say, there's a lot of uh, interesting conversations that go on, on MSNBC. But this one is uh, pretty interesting itself. This is uh, Mendy Hassan, who I believe I don't. She, I think he was on. I don't know what show he was on. I think uh, the you know the the MSNBC commentators kind of like blend all in together. Really, the other thing I'll say about NBC in regards to Fox News, at least at least you know which ones. At least you can t- you can tell which ones you can despise the most between like Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson on those Fox <laughs> News on uh, MSNBC uh, they're kind of like they're kind of like made in a factory somewhere I think wow. in regards to the commentators but um, yeah anyway I'm going to play this clip this is from MSNBC uh, Mandy Hassan commenting on the state of Amer- the Republican Party in American politics today you know, uh, let, let's pick up on, on Marjorie Taylor Greene because I'd like to show a video that she has posted. It is receiving backlash. Here she is. She's working out. And she writes, quote, this is my COVID protection. What's your reaction to this video and the message that it sends, Mehdi? I mean, yes, the message is reckless. It's dangerous. We're seeing spikes across the country. COVID has not gone away. But that ridiculousness that you're seeing on your TV, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a CrossFit fanatic. We know that CrossFit have actually distanced themselves from her since her anti-Semitic and other crazy remarks came out. Just imagine that for a second. You are really high on CrossFit and CrossFit's distance itself from you. Oof. Rough. Wow. But this idea that you can throw some weights in the air and that will stop a virus from infecting you is just so dumb that there's not enough words in the English language to describe how dumb it is. And she is an epitome of what American politics on the right has become. The Republican Party, American politics today, Alex, is defined not by right versus left or liberal versus conservative or elite versus anti-elite. It's the dumb and the not dumb. And there is far too much dumbness 
uh, in the modern conservative movement, epitomized by Marjorie Taylor Greene with her comments about COVID, her recent comments about climate change, where she talked about people in the ice age wanting to spend their taxes to try and warm the earth up. I mean, this is a woman who knows nothing about anything. And you have Christy Nome, it's not just her, Christy Nome, governor of South Dakota, the other day didn't know what infrastructure was. She thought housing and pipes are not part of our infrastructure. So yes, sadly, the Republican Party has elevated these people who know very little next to nothing about basic facts about the world, let alone public policy. And that's you. really dangerous for our country. You know, what, the way you know uh, so, you know, Mandy Hassan is right in one sense, but I think he's wrong in another. Because uh, have you seen the recent polling? That recently came out about, you know, uh, I can't can't remember what it was, but uh, it was asking about billionaires. And uh, this is is the thing. So, um, you know, a a lot of people on the right and a lot of people on the left all uh, feel that uh, there should be some kind of wealth tax. And uh, they differed on, you know, whether they actually, the billionaires should exist and stuff like that. So I think in regards to, uh, you know, whether, you know, this is not about uh, the elite versus the non-elite, I think it's not necessary. I think it is about that, to be honest with you, because uh, there are a lot of, you know, we talked about Jeff Bezos, you know, last week about, uh, you know, how powerful he is in regards to, like, you know, his uh, thing with Amazon and this whole, whole, the whole union story. Anything yeah. like that. So, like, there is an instance of like people feeling like the the out of touch elite uh, versus like those who are on, you know firmly on the ground and uh, you know basically you know trying to earn their way you know to for, you know to basically to get a decent meal at the end of the day. I think I think there is a obviously a feeling towards that both on the left and to the right. But I think he's not wrong in one sense of that. You know the the conser- the modern conservative movement is just full of stupid people. Like, they, they know nothing about, you know, basic life. You know, they know nothing about science. They know nothing about history of, uh, you know, in regards to uh, race relations or in regards to, like, uh, their own country or anything like that. They are so uh, obsessed in patriotism that they really don't understand, like, how on earth they came to the point where they actually do fly a flag and end up being proud of the country. They don't, they don't end up kind of, like, you know, asking themselves questions of, like, gee, why is this country so powerful? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, and then you realize the historical factors that kind of play into it. And it's like, oh, okay, then. You know, like well, uh, it, it, it does. It, that doesn't drop on these types of people. It just doesn't. You know, so yeah. so in a sense, Mandy Hassan is right in regards to you know the the modern conservative movement today. But in regards to uh, the um, in regards to like this being not about elites versus non elites. No, I think that's I think that's pretty prevalent. I think definitely, definitely now with the pandemic, and that's you know the uh, the people who are better off are doing way better than those who aren't sad to, to hear that all of these stories about people who are struggling and people who are trying to make ends meet are the ones who are suffering well you know people who are incredibly rich and, and they have all the power that they need and yet at the same time they just do things that a basic person would say hey that's a terrible idea don't do that mm-hmm. so yeah i think um that's all i have to say about that really so uh but uh, I think it's uh, a fair reflection of basically where we are in American politics. There, are, and, you know, um, I think actually I would add one more thing to that. And like, you know, the people who end up financing uh, the Republican Party. I mean, like, I believe this is done by design. They ended up like they end up putting these uh, stupid people in power because they are so thoughtless. They not to think to challenge them, and uh, basically they will just do whatever they want. They are they are zombies. 
pretty much in regards to and they all, all just uh, you know it's funny how um I, I can understand why there's a lot of people who say you know um they, they have some people have to like wear have to declare sponsorship of like uh, when they're being backed by things and so there's been like the same you know politicians should like wear patches like uh, on their suits of like who they're basically being sponsored by and things like that so people get an idea of like who's backing these politicians and everything and so that would make them a bit more honest and a bit more about more transparent about what they're about and so um more it should be done i think uh, in this regard because now we have a um right-wing political class that is totally bought off by uh, very powerful people in high places and uh, i think uh, it would be a benefit i think for um not just american politics but uh, for i think uh uh, any uh, political system that uh, they should um, see basically why is it that these uh, people, you know, people who probably wouldn't get jobs in real life. I mean, like, uh, Lauren Bobart, as far as I'm aware, did, only recently got her high school diploma, I think. You know, she, uh, she, 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 was, she didn't have a, from what I understand, you know, she didn't have a high school education. You know, like uh, from the from the very beginning. So, um, I think it will be interesting to see how on earth we have such low grade politicians. Why are they there to begin with? And I think uh, that needs to be brought about more into the open. I think because mm, yeah. it's it's, it's dam- what what's happening right now is damaging politics. I think. Yeah, it would be nice if maybe we can have like a protocol to say, okay, you have this amount of experience and you have at least this part of an education that can only benefit uh, our country. And, and, and you, know, it, it, you know, just because you have like a high school diploma just recently, it doesn't mean that you're not very smart. It, uh, I, w- I would argue that there's a lot of people who have different types of intelligences who can be able to benefit from the country, whether it be like, you know, um, interacting with the people or knowing about the environment. Uh, or well, like hang on a second, babe. This is Lo and Bobard we're talking about. You know, the, the woman who says, I bring a Glock into Congress. You know, like for for no reason whatsoever, besides you know, oh hey, I you know it's it's my right. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, no one, you know, uh, someone needs to tell this woman that uh, no one has any interest in basically taking away her gun unless she's going to do something really stupid with it. Okay, you know, yeah, like okay. uh, like uh, you know, it's uh, if I say if uh, if I hear a story that Lauren Bobat accidentally shot herself, that that wouldn't surprise me. It, 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 it really wouldn't. Like you know, like I I could see her being this stupidly careless. I really could. All right. Well, that that's fair enough. I I mean, I've known people who, you know, they didn't have a, a great education, but, you know, they were just as wise because, you know, they dedicated themselves to reading a lot of books or for watching a lot of educational programs or just being around people. Oh, for real. But these people aren't in politics. And that's a problem. Yeah. Like, uh, we, know, we, we have a whole political system that, take, that shuns away these people or basically makes it so that uh, because they don't have the financial resources to do it, they can't do it. You know, yeah. it's like so. People like uh, you know, people like Lauren Bobart and people like uh, uh, you know uh, Marjorie Tory, uh, Taylor Green end up uh, being these. Oh, you know, Matt Gates, for example. You know, the the guy who's currently going through all sorts of controversy right now. They're the ones who end up in positions of power, and uh, right. you know that, that's how, how broken our system is. Yep, you know? it sure is, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let's move on to something a bit more positive. Uh, let's talk about the HR4, the uh, HR4, which is also known as the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. So, um, mm-hmm. I recently retweeted uh, some uh, information about this. So, uh, Black Voters Matter recently did a little graphic saying what's in HR4. 
So basically, HR4, which is named after the late congressman and civil rights icon John Lewis, a man who risked his life for the right to vote, would re-establish the pre-clearance requirements among other voter protections. So this uh, this would require um, pre-clearance and nationwide scale and practices that disproportionately affect communities of color, such as uh, changing election practices in diverse areas, changing documents required for votes or uh, or to register to vote, reducing uh, the the access based in uh, based on language and reducing reducing polling locations in reducing polling in diverse areas so um the, basically the idea would be to kind of like uh, you know turn this around and uh, talking about uh, you know obviously you know trying to get more people out to obviously vote and things like that and yeah so i think yeah. and this is very this is very important because when i was in birmingham and visiting my cousin who was just moving in from florida uh, my mom and I, we went over to a museum to pass the time and we were seeing that it was um, women's month and there was like a lot of um, um, sections of the museum where it was dedicated to suffragists. And it was showing off forms and about all the stuff that African-American women had to do in order for them to vote, as opposed to a white woman. Mm-hmm. First thing they needed to do was they needed to prove that they could write. They had to answer these really difficult questions. They had to pay like a certain amount of money just so that they can vote. And the fact that we are still having issues with people voting. I mean, we heard the the, the news regarding about Georgia and saying, yeah, uh, the fact that if you're be waiting in line it's against the rules to be giving off food and water and oh if it closes at a certain time you can't go in and vote it's like this is really serious and this is happening to like poor neighborhoods or neighborhoods that have like a lot of minorities yeah this this is textbooks voter suppression it really is like uh, this is you know also closing polling out stations by four or five o'clock you know like this is all done by design it's all done mm-hmm. by design. This is uh, meant to basically suppress uh, the vote, and so basically it, it just helps the Republicans win win elections. And uh, this is what the Republicans do now. They they're not a, they've they've ceased becoming a democratic organization. They are literally just trying to stop people from voting. You know, like yeah, uh, and, they, and and they, and you know why, right? Yeah, because of all the shocks that happened in. Uh, the uh, in the election that uh, you know Joe Biden you know won the electoral college there and also uh, they took um, you know uh, in the special election that uh, came after that they basically took two seats so uh, they 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 pulled some shockers uh, in uh, recently in uh, in Georgia and also uh, the, there's also the uh, but this is the thing like the the big thing out of all this is because uh, Donald Trump basically t- made up a stink. About and we say I know we said we won't talk about him ever again on this show, but uh, you know the, the, these conspiracy theories that went out saying oh you know like uh, the, it was the whole election was rigged and stuff like that, which it wasn't. And uh, wait, the, the last time you know the, did you actually hear about? Uh, we will talk about like a little bit about Donald Trump, but I'm trying not to spend too much time on it. He um, recently uh, commandeered this wedding over at his uh, Margolo uh, uh, st- uh, hotel or whatever, and instead of like congratulating the couple, he basically just started ranting and raving about how uh, you know he basically the election was robbed from him. You know, oh, like uh, just it's so pathetic. Am I, am I just thinking it was your wedding, like you know, getting a former president turn up, and all he did was talk about himself. You know, like yeah, and while, while the while the priest is saying, "Do you, John, take Mary to be your wife?" Oh and no, then this, this was in the reception, not in the uh, not not in the actual ceremony itself. Oh, that, okay, okay. So the reception. So you have the father, uh, you know, basically saying, you know, I cheers to you, John and Mary, for your wonderful marriage. I hope that you have many more to come, and blah 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 blah. And then he, <laughs> the 
Donald Trump comes up and says, "Yeah, yeah, that's that's Let's great and all, but I, yeah, I, I I just want to let you know that I was rigged and and and, uh, and I I I wanted to have a lot of votes, but um, you know, they were stopping me, and it's like." Oh, so one of the things as well, like a screenshot actually leaked about this, and oh my goodness, he doesn't look well. I'm sorry. Oh really? Like, he he his his suit was bigger than him. Oh wow. That is this. That's not good. Like you know, just it's uh, so anyway. Enough about him. So, uh, but he was one of the core reasons why voter suppression laws now are being thrown around all these states. And uh, really, we need we need a you know uh, I think a federal law I think in America to basically stop uh, voter suppression. Because it's it's not fair on those who feel like they want to be heard, and uh, should ha- they should have the right to vote. It's simple as that. And uh, I tell you what, all these Republicans who are throwing these votes around right now, they they're scared. They have something to hide. You know, like uh, they realize that uh, they are currently up against the ropes, and uh, now they are. Ju- and they also on top of that as well, they do not care about your country. They only look out for themselves. They really are just a bunch of selfish gangsters. Yeah, this is awful. You know, yeah. this is really, really bad. The fact that, you know, you're trying to do your American duty by voting out to a person that you personally feel will do this country well. And then all of this starts happening where you're told, no, you can't. Mm. And then, the you know, this John Lewis Voting Rights Act, this is why it's happening. And this is why it's important. Because everybody needs to have a chance to vote out there. I mean, like I said to you, babe. When I went and I voted last November, my mom and I, we waited for four hours. Four hours, we stood in line in the blistering heat while we were surrounded by people having to keep our social distance, you know, because, I mean, I'm sure that if, you know, normal circumstances, we would have probably done it in like half the time. But we were hungry, we were thirsty, we were exhausted. And if we had been waiting on that long line for four hours and they told us, yeah, uh, sorry, we can't let you in because of whatever reason. Oh, trust me, we w- there would have been severe anger somewhere. Yeah, I tell you what. Um, if you also top that as well, um, keep this in mind. Um, here in the UK, I have not spent more than five minutes in a polling station. Five oh, wow. minutes. Lucky you. Exactly. So, how is it that other democracies do not spend all that much time? Being able to wait out and vote, but uh, how is it that uh, the what's supposed to be like the, the quote unquote greatest country in the world? You know, we I have my girlfriend here standing four hours with her mother in the blistering heat. You know, like uh, this is I can only call it suppression. Like uh, it's just it is actually it is embarrassing for America to have uh, voting lines that long. It really is. It, it's it was like awful. The fact that the building was surrounded like two times in lines and then we had to go through like layers of line just so that we can get inside the building Mm. it was just unbelievable i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if in the future they would try to think of another way for ease of voting but no of of course not It, it had to be this way it needs to be, uh, they really need to sort this whole thing out like uh, the whole world is watching this man it really is yeah yeah Okay, uh, moving on from that, so uh, we're going to talk about uh, some uh, tidbits. By the way, none of this is organized, so you're going to have to forgive us, but uh, so we're just going to go through some random news in regards to this bit for uh, uh, entertainment video games and stuff. So, um, apparently March the 31st was the day that Mario died. Yes, apparently. 
So um, as you guys know, the 35th anniversary of Mario had released two games. One was Mario 35, which was kind of like uh, kind of like an auto-run Mario game where you get to like create certain levels and you get to run by them. And uh, you get to be able to interact with like the community online. And then the other one was, a, you remember that Super Mario Brothers uh, 3D collection the, that had Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy all in one. Uh-huh. Well, it was, it was announced that Mario 35, their online services were going to be shut down completely. And the Super Mario 3D pack is no longer going to be in print, which is why a lot of people made fun of the fact that they said that on March 31st, Super Mario died. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, in regards to... It's a sad thing that, uh, you know, Super Mario 64 is obviously, you know, uh, no longer no longer with us in regards to Nintendo Switch because, you know, uh, Super Mario 64 obviously is a, a hugely celebrated game and uh, it was a huge game on the Nintendo, Nintendo 64, you know, naturally. And uh, it's still obviously celebrated to this day. So I mean, I've always, I've still got my original Nintendo 64, uh, Super Mario 64 cartridge on uh, on N64. And uh, in regards to Super Mario Sunshine, like uh, I'm really surprised it's like had this kind of like revival because I remember that game coming out on the GameCube, and uh, then they were like uh, they were basically you know um, dish, having to like dish it out for like two dollars a piece because it just wasn't selling all that well. You know, like uh, it just—it uh, wasn't really the uh, the game everyone thought it was going to be, and so and so it's like Mario Galaxy. You know, obviously, uh, you know, a beloved Wii game on there, and so it's uh, you know, so yeah, so there's some games on there which I think is very sad that they're no longer going to be around on the Switch. But you know, that doesn't mean that necessarily you can't get them on N64 and you can't get them on uh, on Nintendo Wii. So uh, you know, in regards to uh, Mario 64 in regards to, uh, you know, Mario Galaxy, yeah, if you can get them on those platforms and if you've got a Wii or if you've got a Nintendo 64, definitely go out and grab them, you know? But, yeah, so, yeah. I, I think I think the fans, for the most part, were really upset about the Mario 35 because, uh, from what I've heard, you know, people had a lot of fun being able to play, like, these custom Mario um, levels and being able to run as fast as they can so that they can be able to beat up the high score online with the, with the community. And Nintendo, I don't know what it is with Nintendo, but they just suck when it comes to posting their online content it's either that the wi-fi is like really really slow or it doesn't last for very long i mean you have you know people who love these and you know the the anniversary was just only a few months ago and they're now starting to shut it down it's like people clearly like it and now because that the servers are shut down nobody's going to be able to experience it anymore and now because that they're you know that the 3d pack is going to be out of print now the prices are going to skyrocket and you're going to be able to probably buy it for like a few hundred dollars on ebay and yeah the only way you can be able to get it is if you have a nintendo 64 or if you have the wii yeah, so, I'll, I'll be honest yeah. with you. I mean, um, I, I guess I'm a little bit outside this experience, maybe because uh, I mean, um, I didn't really like. Uh, here's the thing: like, I'm not really like uh, galvanized by like you know, oh hey, uh, we can share the community. Like you know, here's the high score that I got. It's kind of like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not either, but I do know people who are. Yeah, I know, but uh, for me, it's just like uh, it, I think this passed me by, and probably for good reason. I, I think it was. Uh, I could understand the excitement around it for some people, but for myself, like you know, I experience. I've already experienced. Mario 64 and I've already experienced all these Mario games growing up so and I get for other people that like oh they've not had a chance to experience that for themselves I get that entirely but for me personally like uh, these these eras have gone by you know like uh, I remember Mario 64 and I remember Mario Galaxy but uh, you know I've been there I've done that I've literally worn t-shirts for them you know like uh, it's done (laughs) you know so uh, yeah 
But, uh, I mean, Nintendo obviously didn't see a future in all of this, and so they're just going to carry on with what they do. And, you know, like, uh, then Nintendo, who's going to stop them? You know, like... Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, who's going to stop them? I mean, we're talking about, like, a company that makes millions of dollars. And I'm sure that they'll do the same thing again. If if, if they were to announce, hey, guess what? We're going to be doing a remastered, um, you know, Zelda series. And we're going to, you know, remake it for the Switch. And we're going to have, like, uh, you know, the original Legend of Zelda and Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link and Link to the Past all remastered in these brand new graphics. And it's going to be released on the Switch for only a limited of time. Fans are going to eat it up, and then they'll be complaining about it later on. So it's it's nothing new. N- Nintendo just constantly does this, and we yeah. keep, and we keep falling and we keep falling for it. Mm-hmm. And you know, like all will be forgiven when they were when they launched Splatoon three. So you know, yep. like yeah, not, all will be forgiven, no doubt about it. So yeah. Okay, um, me and Patricia watched the Space Jam trailer, and yes, uh, which uh, got released on uh, on Saturday. And so um, I got to be honest with you, Patricia, I watched it. I thought it was fun, and uh, I did enjoy uh, watching certain bits of it, but I've got to be honest with you, babe, I've been left feeling a bit confused about who this is actually for. Like, uh, cause I have if, no if you're, idea. If you remember at the very beginning, like uh, this, you know when the whole Lola Bunny thing kicked off? In regards yes. to like you know, changing that, yeah, because and then their defense was basically, oh well, this is for kids, and this is the demographic we're going to be aiming at. You know, this is going to be for people who watch the Looney Tunes show. You know, like, it's going to be for them. But then this trailer drops, and I've got to be honest with you, babe, I think they fucked up in marketing. Oh, how so? I really do. Because, well, you and I watched the trailer. Like, uh, you you and I looked at that and think, you know, um, there's uh, all the the jokes, all the the way that the characters are designed, the way all the references and everything like that, and also kind of like where the world's kind of taking place in. It's taking like in like this like technology world and things like that. Like, uh, and uh, it's it looks like you know, also he's making uh, references to like other shows like Game of Thrones. Which kind of yeah. like throw me up a little bit, like uh, you know, um, to me it sounds like yeah, this is going to be for this generation. This is going to be this generation's uh, version of Space Jam, and like it's going to be totally different from like the last time that they did this with Michael Jordan. But uh, I got to be honest with you, babe, like uh, looking at the fact that we have references to the Flintstones, references to the old Scooby Doo, um, references to the old style Looney Tunes in this, and references to, you know, grief. Uh, I saw in the group of people in in the shot, I'm not kidding, Danny DeVito's the Penguin from Batman, and also Pennywise. Freaking Pennywise, and the Iron Giant. Like, you know, like, uh, and people are making references to Ready Player One. Like, so, uh, how, are ki- how are the kids' demo? Like, the, ki- the kids' demographic is 6 to 11. You know, that's yep. Nickelodeon's g- group. How are any of them going to be understanding, like, the background jokes to what we saw in the in, in the trailer? I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it does feel akin to something like Ready Player One or um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, in which, like, there's so many of these references that are in the background that you're not going to be able to get it. I don't think that they're, they're, their main demographic are the kids. I think that their main demographic for this movie are the kids who grew up with it 25 years ago. Exactly. And so I think they've goofed up in marketing. They said, oh, yeah, well, uh, this is going to be for this generation. This is going to be the, the kids' uh, version of Space Jam. And then it's kind of like, oh, well, uh, let's release this now online. Oh, let's, uh, you know, oh, hey, millennials, you know, like, you know, I know we said we discarded you before, but can you kind of come to our rescue, please? 
Like, yeah. I, there's part of me that believes, I think they know that Space Jam and New Legacy is not going to live up to the hype. And they, at least they decided that they were going to have it out because I think they were going to say, oh yeah, Space Jam, everyone grew up with this, everyone knows this, uh, there's the, the, you know, LeBron James, you know, everything like that. Like, uh, this is going to like be, you know, this is going to like, uh, you know, hit like a billion dollars the box office. This is going to do better than The Lion King. You know, like uh, I think, I think, I think they talked up this movie. I think a bit too high, and now that they realise that the main demo that they were going after is not going to be, are not as excited for Space Jam as they hoped it was going to be. Now they're coming to us and hoping that we're going to see it. Yeah, we knew that we there was going to be a second Space Jam movie. I mean, we've heard about it for a few years now that it was going to be focusing on LeBron James, and we're like, okay, well. You know, maybe they're just targeting for the new generation of kids because LeBron James is like really, really popular. And maybe they'll bring in some new current, um, you know, basketball players. They'll probably bring in Dwayne Wade and they'll probably bring in uh, Stephen Curry. Sure, you know, the kids deserve to have their own generation of Space Jam. But then when we heard about what the plot synopsis was in which like LeBron James was going to be interacting with this AI known as Algae Rhythm and he kidnaps his son and then he has to go and play a game of basketball to set him free. It's like okay um it sounds a little bit weird i mean in the first movie it was a bunch of aliens who stole the talents of basketball players and the only way that they were going to give it back is if they win a game of basketball but now we have this father-son story oh, no, if you're in, well, that was like the uh, that was like in the in the final act like uh, michael jordan says oh if you uh, let's raise the stakes and then if you uh, if we win the game you give the players the talent back and if you don't if you don't if we don't win you you get me also with the t- with the looney tunes you know from yeah, more but yeah, exactly. But in in New Legacy, this is going to be the whole story. This is what the main motivation is. LeBron James is trying to get his son back after he was kidnapped by an AI computer guy, something like that, almost like G-Man from Half Life. But why does why does he want the kid in the first place? I have no idea. Considering well, that we see in the movie, I mean the trailer, that the kid does not even care about basketball, and and then LeBron James is like, "Oh, but son, you have the potential to be a great basketball player." And he's, and then he's like, "But dad, I don't even like basketball. Just stop trying to make me, uh, you know, of somebody that I'm not." And so then he gets kidnapped by the AI, and then you know he's told, "In order for you to set him free, you need to play a game of basketball with me." And then he shows drops him off into Toon World because. Instead of just, hey, um, you know, this is the section of, like, where the Looney Tunes are. It's like Toontown from Roger Rabbit going into that. So instead, it's Toon World. And then now LeBron James turns into a cartoon character. And he's interacting with Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig and Daffy Duck and Granny. And we have Lola Bunny. And she's being voiced by Zendaya, not Kath Susie, and not Kristen Wiig. And then we have that uh, moment that we got to see where it plays off with different animation styles. Um, There's a little bit of stop motion. There's a little bit of CGI. Then LeBron James becomes live action to a point. And then we got to see all those cameos of all of those other, you know, Warner Brothers characters, like you were saying before. You know, we see the characters from Game of Thrones. There's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, King Kong, Iron Giant, Pennywise. Like, But why Pennywise? why pennywise i don't understand um, that if I, if this is supposed to yeah like uh, they they have goofed up in marketing i think like uh, this is uh, uh, this is so random like all the people in there on top of that as well like you know um there's there's so many characters that you have in the looney tunes universe like we saw that in the original space jam why can't you just use the looney tunes universe why does everyone else have to get dragged in 
Also, if you're going to use Warner Brothers characters, why not use the catalog of other Warner Brothers characters? I mean, I'm sure, I mean, sure, when you think of Warner Brothers, you think of, you know, like the Looney Tunes characters. But Warner Brothers, guess what? Cartoon Network is under the Warner Media. Why don't you use the Cartoon Network characters? Like, if you want to put characters in there that people will recognize, like... You know, put in Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory or, you know, put in Samurai Jack, you know, put in something that's recognizable for kids or even some of the newer cartoons. Put in Steven Universe, put in Finn and Jake, put in Gumball and put in, um, you know, uh, all these characters. Like, put something that's recognizable for kids and not try to utilize, you know, all of these characters that are clearly for adults. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, they are putting in the Animaniacs in this. I so. mean, of course, because, you know, not it's it's a 90s property. And I, I mean, I know people are going to say, but what did the Hulu, you know, uh, reboot? And I'm like, yes, I know that kids would know about that, but it's clearly made for us. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I would have really liked if maybe they could have, like, geared it for the new generation. And, you know, for people who are complaining about New Legacy, it's like, oh, but, but this is for them. This is for the kids who are going to enjoy, you know, their taste of it. But no, it's now, now not going to be the case anymore. It's like, now it's going to be for us. And I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, yeah, I just it's it's so confused. Like, uh, I mean, are we gonna be, are we gonna be going through this and like uh, all the characters are basically just gonna be played safe? Like, you know, like uh, they're not gonna, uh, they're not gonna like be kind of like talking to us like at our level. They're just gonna be talking at the level of the kids. Which is going to be kind of miserable. Like, you know, if you have, like, uh, adult characters who are basically going to be, like, talking down, like, you know, hello, children. You know, like, uh, oh, hello there, kids. You know, like, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it makes them kind of lame in a sense. Really, like, so, um, I'm, 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 I'm a bit, yeah, like, just watching all of this and uh, just, uh, as well as well, like, didn't Lola Bunny make, like, a basketball reference or something like that, I believe, in, uh, okay. in there? And apparently it was like, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that was only caught by like you know a couple of people. But here's another thing about this as well. Like uh, you know, uh, I, yeah, I just think I don't know how many, I don't know any people my age who are going to be going out desperate to go see Space Jam: A New Legacy. And uh, again, I don't hear very many kids uh, you know uh, talking about it online either. You know, like uh, they're they're more excited for the Loud House movie than they are excited for Space Jam. Mm. Right. Which which and isn't good. That's saying something. That's saying something that's considering that we're talking about a movie that's 25 years old that has that nostalgia connection and yet at the same time the kids want to see the loud house movie a show that's only been around for like a few years on nickelodeon yeah but you and know it's like, it relates to them babe you know like uh, having all this shit thrown at them in, in space jam and your legacy it just it, it just isn't gonna it just isn't gonna resonate like you know now, unless, unless of course if they do it smartly like in roger rabbit and wreck it ralph they were able to use those cameos in a way that was very enjoyable. Like, we were able to get some funny little moments, and we were able to, you know, see the characters interact with each other. Like, you know, with Roger Rabbit, for example. I mean, we have the we have the battle between, uh, you know, Daffy and um, with Donald, and Mickey with Bugs, and we had the Betty Boop moment. We had, you know, the classic cartoon moments. I mean, those were fun. And with Wreck-It Ralph. You know, we had the little Sonic the Hedgehog cameo. We had um, Ralph interacting with Zangief and Dr. Eggman and Bowser. And and there was like the little uh, Street Fighter reference. There was a little uh, Konami code reference. I mean, those were fun. 
but they didn't take away from the story. They just highlighted it. They made it more special. Yeah. Do you and know, there's going to be some people who are going to be looking at this and thinking, oh, wow, this is going to be like Ready Player One. This is going to be like, you know, uh, you know uh, the uh, the Avenger movies, or this is going to be like, you know, other than that. And I, get, I can't help getting the feeling that, once again, this is going to be Warner Brothers coming in, doing this kind of genre, and just getting it, you know, only about 50% right and 50% wrong. You know, like, mm. uh, it, it just isn't going to live up to its potential. I don't think. Well, all I know is is that at least they're able to build up the story a little bit better. At least it has some like legitimate stakes because in the original movie, it was just Michael Jordan going through his actual midlife crisis. I mean, this was basically based off of when he was switching over from basketball to baseball, and this was when um, you know he was trying to get himself back on his feet, and then all of a sudden, let's just throw in aliens, because why not? I mean, we have to understand where the original idea of Space Jam came from. It was, it was inspired by a commercial for Air Jordans, where you got that one moment in which Michael Jordan was showing off his sneakers, and then Bugs Bunny was in there for like a few seconds. And then they were like, hey, why don't we make a movie out of that? So, yeah, I mean, it's not like the original Space Jam was based off of, like, me. anything major oh, anyway. Yeah. Oh, you want me to say that again? Uh, no, no, I just, uh, sorry, I was just, uh, <laughs> I was just uh, flashing through the trailer and all of a sudden he's kind of, like, turns to life, which, uh, um, yeah, I've got to turn it down now. Actually, one thing I wanted to pick up on that, um, you know when uh, LeBron James goes into um, the, the cartoon world and ends up being a cartoon himself, doesn't he kind of remind you of Oscar Proud from the Proud family? Goodness. You know, it's really funny that you mentioned that because um, Bruce W. Smith, who worked on The Proud Family, he's the creator and he also was the character designer, he actually on Space Jam. So oh. if you were to tell me, yeah, it's true. He was actually one of the animators. So if you were to tell me that he worked on this movie as well, I wouldn't have been surprised. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm starting to flick through, see if there's any, oh yeah, Jabba Jaws in this as well, apparently. So, of course uh, yeah. he is. It's a, Hanna, it's a Hanna-Barbera character. Yeah. So, so yeah. Java Jaw, Yogi Bear, Magilla Gorilla, he's in there. Captain Caveman's in uh, it makes an appearance in this as well. Oh god. The uh the Arnold Schwarzenegger Mr. Freeze is in this. And oh my god, is that is that freaking Agent Smith from the Matrix? <laughs> and oh what? yeah, and, and the flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz, they're in there too. Wait a minute! I thought that they were owned by MGM, uh, not Warner Brothers. I have no, I, I, I have no. Well, mind you, baby, they, they could pay a license fee and then they can get it. So and they and they'll get oh. paid under the table anyway. So that they'll be good. Uh, I'm trying to have a look at various other. Uh, yeah, so it looks like instead of like facing the monsters like they did in the last movie, they're going to be facing like these kind of like you know uh, these like villains like that have like superpowers and stuff like you know fire and water and shit. Like, uh, actually, one thing I was noticing as well, apparently Daffy Duck's wearing a suit in this, so, like, uh, is he not participating in the team in this, or, uh... That's a good question, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, to be quite honest, I mean, all we have is the trailer, so we still don't know, you know, what's going on fully, but, yeah, I, I'm just looking through the list right now of all the other characters. The Thundercats are in it, Gandalf from Lord of the Rings, King Kong... Um, the mask. Well, and wait. King Kong's understandable because obviously he's in Godzilla vs. Kong. So, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so he's he's making reference to like a, you know a recent movie. Um, yeah, but G Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. I mean, that Lord of the Rings movies was wait, 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 wait. Who, who's um? There's some other other guys from the Clockwork Orange in this. 
What? Well, I, 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 there's some guys in bowler hats in white in white gear and and uh, and carrying sticks. I think that's them. Oh like, my god, it is them. You're oh right. God. And like, who are these? Are these Star Trek aliens? Wait, hang on a second. Is that is that like the female woman from Star Wars? Like you know the woman who gets killed like in the in the, uh, in the Order sixty six. Uh, montage. Oh, wow. I can see the uh, mystery machine in the background with Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby. Like, oh, and Fred no. and Val. I was about to say, oh, is this going to be like going to like you know the uh, what should we call it the 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 Stupid Goose show where they had no Fred and no Velma? It was just basically Velma. So it was basically just no no Fred and no Daphne. It was just Velma, Sh Shaggy, and Scooby and Scrappy. You know, oh like, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I I, I, it, you know what? Um, I have to watch this trailer again so I can catch all the. I'm I'm looking at I'm just looking at grabs now and seeing people like that that are being picked out in the, in in the crowd. So like, oh wow, this movie's so random. Yeah. It's random. I understand what they're trying to do. It's like with Ready Player One, in which there's a there are so many cameos of all of these now known iconic characters. And, you know, it's supposed to be like, oh, you know, we're in this world and these are all the characters that you're going to be interacting with because they live there. But that's not the main part of the story. It's supposed to be like for fan service. But the fan service in this one, I mean, you remember, I thought that this was going to be like Space Jam for a new generation. But now the more that I think about it, it's like the characters from a Clockwork Orange and Mad Max Fury Road and Batman Returns. No way. I think the guy from uh, whatchamacallit, oh, what's that... I think the guy from the I think the 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 mad dad from The Shining's in this. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Th this is not for the kids. This is the, definitely the, this. Not for the this. Kids. What? What are we? Um. Can we get some thoughts into what we're trying to achieve here, guys? Like, uh, I, I, look, oh, I understand. and also, the, the, yeah, yeah, you, it's just adding some more fucking, uh, you know, uh, uh, craziness into all of this. Guess, guess, guess which Joker they're using. For you know, to reference to Batman, Please let it not be the Jared Leto Joker. No, it's not him. It's not even any of the ones from the '90s movies. It's the 1966 Joker. <laughs> what? What? What generation is still alive to appreciate that? Uh, uh, trust me, there are some who are, especially for those who grew up with it during the '80s and '90s, and you know, even to like hardcore comic book fans who can appreciate the 66 Batman as a fun show. Oh yeah, I I can I get that. But oh boy. Like uh what? I understand what they're trying to do. They're, it's trying it's trying to be a hodgepodge of all of these Warner Brothers characters and you know, trying to make it like a more realized world. I get it. I guess they you know, they thought, "Oh, you know, we, you know, we can only do so much with like Looney Tunes characters. Let's expand it even more." Oh, by the way, I they're doing that. they're doing the whole cool grandma's uh, uh, shit in this as well. Like, yeah, that's not been done to death. You know, like... I uh, mean, to be fair, they, they have been doing that over the years with Granny because they felt that, you know, her character was getting, like, oh, you know, she's a bit one-node. All she does is, like, you know, protect um, Tweety from Sylvester. So they decided to make her into, like, this badass grandma. So I have seen that a few times in the Looney Tunes show. So I get that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, right now, I can't see any further... Um references to this right now but uh hang on a second someone made a joke about kingdom hearts being in the movie no i, I don't see kingdom hearts that's a disney property why, why would they have yeah, them in there? yeah yeah I, I exactly but you know what i mean 
If 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 we were to see something along the likes of Kingdom Hearts characters, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, like, imagine, imagine. Um, I mean, how could this not be possible? Why would not put Rick and Morty in this? Why not? I mean, like, uh, out of all the people who, like, jumped, you know, in certain dimensions, how's the Space Jam uh, dimension not one that they would visit? Or, like, yeah. yeah, like, put them in there. Maybe it makes a lot of sense because, you know, Adult Swim, Warner Media, yes, of course. Yeah, so, uh, well, that's our random thoughts on the Space Jam trailer. Um, I, we didn't even really talk about the trailer. We just talked about all the stuff that we saw in the background. Yeah, like, well, the, the stuff in the background is important because it kind of, like, gives you a... It's trying to give you an indication, like, who's this aimed at. And right now it's kind of like, um, maybe it's supposed to be for us? Or maybe it's not supposed to be? Because, like, I'll tell you what, if, uh, you know, I said this in the tweet, like, uh, if they're aiming this at millennials who remember the original Space Jam man, are they going to regret making those changes to Lola Bunny? Uh, well, we'll see. Okay. Um, moving on, we're going to move into Nickelodeon news. Um, you know, we talked about before the SpongeBob SquarePants episodes were being removed because obviously, you know, uh, removing uh, ladies' underwear without the permission is uh, not a necessarily good thing to put in a show. So um, it's uh, happened again. Um, they have removed another um, episode, which uh, they I think was actually... Um, an episode that was referencing uh, the fact that I think uh, was it the episode that Mr. Krabs like got a virus and it spread around Bikini Bottom. I think yeah, it was. They've. Oh, yeah, uh, I think it was uh, the quarantine episode. Yeah. Yeah. So quarantine crabs, an episode where Mr. Krabs contracts a mysterious illness and is forced to go into quarantine. Uh, the episode was released in February 2020 and seems to have been pulled due to similarities with the ongoing coronavirus. Uh, pandemic, uh, which has uh, been released, uh, which having been released uh, just before the illness had uh, made its way into the country of the United States in full force. So, um, it was a recent episode that was created for the show. They've decided that it's no longer a given the fact like, that it's uh, pretty real, I think uh, they decided that it's not, uh, right now is not a great time to uh, kind of be releasing it to uh, to kids, really. So, uh, which... Uh, understand I, that. I can understand. I can probably understand. It's probably going to come out on DVD. No doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, even yeah, it'll still um, yeah, it will definitely be out on DVD. I mean, I'm sure that um that we have like a whole bunch of these episodes that you know maybe not be considered like um appropriate for today's kids, but they will still be out somewhere, whether it be bootlegged, whether it be like an old recording from a DVR or from a VHS tape, you will still find it somewhere. Uh, and it, you know, it's not too surprising considering that. Um, you know, a lot of these kids are going through a lot of the stuff that they, they saw in that episode where Mr. Krabs has the virus and he has to stay at home so that he doesn't, you know, make sure that it gets spread by everybody in Bikini Bottom. And, you know, if that's the case, then I wish that, you know, people would be looking into like that fungus episode where SpongeBob had the fungus and then um, all of the carelessness that happened and helped spread that virus and then everybody started getting it. So if you were to tell me that that would be banned because of that, I are, you know, removed from like the um, Paramount Plus or from uh, Hulu or from Amazon Prime because uh, it reminded kids of the virus, and I wouldn't be surprised at that either. I think Wait. it's going to have... Do you remember when they banned the Simpsons episode about uh, them losing the car in New York City because they had the Twin Towers in it, and that was like after 9-11? So like... Uh, they, they... And, and there's a very similar case for Hey Arnold in which they uh, had to like either or remove or alter a scene from one of the episodes of uh, season four or five, where they were like showing pictures of the World Trade Center in the background. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, at the end of the day, it's... Uh, but, but mind you, some of these episodes did eventually come back, you know, like uh, when, uh, you know, obviously 9-11 was, uh, you know, a bit further o- further forward. So, I think, uh, you know, it's... Uh, yeah. So, eventually, these episodes go back in circulation, eventually. Yeah, eventually. I'm sure that, you know, when people start calming down and when the, the situation doesn't get as serious, I'm sure that they will come up at some point. Uh, I don't know about um, midlife crustacean, though, because a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, it might be disturbing for kids because of SpongeBob and Patrick going on a pan raid to Mr. Krabs's mother's house. So I don't know. I mean, but that episode, uh, you know, again, it, if SpongeBob was an adult show, I could understand, but it's aimed, it, you know, it's six to 11 demographic, so I can kind of understand why they did it. You know, sure. so, okay. Anyway, um, that we can segue into uh, something that's similar to uh, So I've been on Screen Rant recently, and uh, they have a top 10 banned kids uh, TV show list. So, uh, of episode, episode, sorry. So these are the 10 banned kids ep- show episodes that uh, you won't believe were banned. So, uh, shall we go through them and see how unbelievable they are? Yes. Okay, here we go. Right. Um, the first one is, by the way, this is not in any particular order. It's just, just 10 episodes. So, um, the first one is from Tailspin and it's Flying Dupes. Okay. Um, you'll have to remind me what that episode right. is Right. So, the Disney series talk that took uh, the animal stars of the Jungle Book into the world of commercial air transport shouldn't be taken too serious with Baloo the Bear as a star, but one episode was banned by Disney had too many problems to count. The final episode of the series had Baloo deliver a bomb to its foreign leader's home uh, in the hopes that it would result in a war, means that high profits for the bomb, bomb makers. Uh, Baloo didn't know that he was attempting an assassination, but, terror- but the terrorist themes and transport of a bomb in an airplane alone make it hard to believe that it actually made it to air. Unsurprisingly, Disney permanently banned the episode from from airing shortly after. Yeah, I can kind of see why they banned that. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is Peppa Pig episode, and it's Mr. Skinny Legs. And I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you about this. So, um, this episode was banned in Australia because um, it was said that a spider couldn't actually kill you, but uh, there are certain uh, spiders in Australia that actually can kill you. So uh, that has to be banned from Australia. So. Stan, you know, the intentions of, you know, a lot of kids who are watching it and they're afraid of spiders. And they'll probably say like, oh, but, you know, spiders are good creatures. They won't hurt you. But yeah, but here's the thing. There are spiders out there that can hurt you and that can kill you. So mm-hmm. uh, good intentions, Peppa Pig. But, you know, you have to be careful. Well, even my Peppa Pig stole from a British perspective. So, like, you can kind of understand why, why that happened. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I understand that for sure. I think when I was in um, yesterday's capers and I was talking to Abdullah and Paul when it came to like how things were different in the UK when it came to the US in terms of like um, how it is when it comes to like welcoming people and their stuff is a little bit different than ours. So, yeah, I can understand that for a culture perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is Tiny Toon Adventures and the episode is One Beer. I know this one very, very well. So, yes. It Tell is it, the sister. Episode- <laughs> you got it okay so this is the episode in which hampton buster uh i think plucky and a few others were just like drinking beer from hampton's father's and uncle's um refrigerator and so that episode was kind of controversial and so they had to remove it for obvious reasons i just couldn't believe that it even exists like the fact that, oh yeah, we're going to have an episode where Buster, Hampton, and Plucky get really, really drunk off of beer. So I have no idea what they were thinking when they put that together. I don't even know how they got away with it when it first came out. It wasn't like the like the end of the episode of like uh, them saying this is like a PSA, and so it was kind of like it was like mocking PSAs at the time. 
I thought. Yeah, it, it it was kind of like that, especially since I think this was around the time in which, you know, there were a lot of PSAs for like drugs and alcohol. Um, you know, Mad was coming out with, you know, Mothers Against Drug Driving. There was like cartoons to rescue. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was cartoon that all starts to the rescue. We remember that. Yeah. Like, uh... Yeah. So we had a lot of these things back then. So, yeah, I mean, it, there was even like, um, I think I remember at the end of the episode in which um, while they were like driving and then they got pulled over by the police and then uh, they end up dying and go to heaven and then Buster, Plucky and Hampton take off their costumes and then they say drinking's uncool and then Buster says hey uh, do you know if we'll get a funny episode tomorrow and they'll be like I hope so so yeah it was basically making fun of the fact that it was a PSA joke yeah I, I take it that it was not too much of a surprise because it was at the time in which you know PSA episodes were kind of needed so that they can show kids hey we're being educational we're not just dumb creative um, you know, content that will rot your kid's brain. So we need to teach you something. So, yeah, I mean, it was a joke, essentially. But I think nowadays it's not politically correct for kids today. Interesting thing here. Apparently the episode was banned in America, but not banned in Canada. Huh, interesting. And actually, I saw it on a British TV as well, so it did air at least once. Yeah, it aired once for us as well, but then it never aired again. It's kind of like a Rocco's Modern Life in which it had a few episodes that were aired once and then never again. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, the next episode, next uh, band episode from a show is Sailor Moon, and that's uh, Neptune and Uranus. Ah, uh, yes, I know about this one as well. So, yeah, this must have been around the time in which they had the Deke dub, or I guess it would have been the other dub. There were two different dubs that happened in America. And this was the episode in which it was announced that Sailor Neptune and Sailor Uranus were in a relationship. And then they had to retroactively change it so that, oh, no, 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 they're not in a, a lesbian relationship. No, they're cousins. And so that's how it essentially became for the past decade, where Americans thought that the reason why that Sailor Neptune and Sailor Uranus were together all the time was because they were really, really close cousins. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so basically they wrote, they wrote that pretty differently, and so that must have been pretty awkward. In, in oh, places. it was really awkward. The fact that they held each other's hands all the time, they were, like, really close to each other. I'm like, wait, are they supposed to be cousins? Why are they doing this? I mean, I love my family, don't get me wrong, but I'm not, like, that close to them. It's, it's just- you know, well, given the fact that uh, there's some... Isn't there, like, some societies that, like, that marry their cousins and things like that? So, like... Uh- Oh, I was going to make that joke, but I think I'll stay clear of that, I think. So. You please, yeah, let's not go Okay, all right. Um, let's move on to the next one. So, uh, oh, by the way, you know we talked about Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue previously. You know, like, uh, so I, actually, I just had a thought about that. You know, like, uh, how how dated is that now today, given the fact that, oh, uh, you know, there's so much liberalization of drug laws now. You know, like, It's very dated. First of all... I mean, a lot of kids, first of all, they're not stupid. They know that this stuff is bad for you. They know that they don't need cartoon characters to tell them that drugs are bad. I mean, come on, you give kids credit. You know, they're not as stupid as you think. Secondly, if they were to watch this today, they would have no idea who most of these cartoon characters are. Yeah, but and like, thirdly, just the message in itself, like, given the fact, you know, isn't the important little organ recently, like, legalize all drugs? And like, hasn't like, uh, what you call it? Isn't it like, uh, isn't there like a city in Maryland now that's like stopped by people, like cops from like arresting dr- people like on the influence of drugs? 
now all like uh, the possession yeah it, it has become a lot more looser when it comes to what they would call drugs and what they would call um you know medical marijuana and such like that so yeah th- that is also accounted for as well so like you know like that whole that whole call to no source of the rescue was a complete waste of time given the fact like you know, 30 years later we were going to be basically you know saying yeah weed's fine you know I mean, I don't think it was, like, targeting specifically weed. I think it was, like, mostly focusing on other drugs such as cocaine or LSD or something like that. Well, if you remember, Simon from the Chipmunks was the one that met, that uh, recognized it as marijuana to start off with. And then eventually, like, uh, you know, that, that drug ghost or whatever, like, uh, suggested that, uh, you know, uh, the kid should say crack later on in the oh, show. Yeah. So, like, it was, uh, it was like, it, it basically kind of, like, one went to another, you know. Like, you know, marijuana is the gateway drug to, like, harder stuff. Anything like mm-hmm. that, which you know is uh, again like uh, I uh, you know I I don't know all that much about like you know drug taking and things like that, so I don't know if that's actually you know a thing or not. But uh, I mean, from people who have t- who have uh, smoked weed in the past who have told me like you know they don't do anything else besides doing that, like uh, yeah, I tend to believe that uh, that that's not the case. But uh, well, that's just me. I don't know. I I, I have never experienced. Um, you know, to taking drugs, so I cannot say that for sure. Well, neither but... have I, so I like, neither of us have, you know, an educated opinion on this, really. So, anyway, yeah, let's, let's move I... on from that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, next one is uh, Gargoyle's Deadly Force. Oh, you have to remind me about that. This is the, I think this is the episode where one of the gargoyles shot the woman with the gun. Oh, now I remember, yeah. Yeah, which is like, oh my... Actually, I think I saw this episode when I, you know, when I was watching, like, uh, Episode of Gargoyles. I was like, God damn! Like he just blew her away. Like you know, like uh, yeah. So it was. Uh, just remind everybody. So it was uh, the episode where um, a not too bright member of the Gargoyles uh, Broadway learns that guns aren't toys in a shocking, traumatic way possible. While playing with the service weapons of uh, Group's human ally Eliza, Broadway ends up uh, shooting her by accident. Understandably, parents and protest groups complained about the kids uh, watching a bull of cartoons shoot the uh, shoot, hero shoot a woman. Uh, and puts her in intensive care. The episode was banned for re-airing, but has more recently been to return to rotation. So, um, yeah, because I think it's in the... Um, I think on Disney+, Plus. I think they've actually made it available, I think, on there now. So, okay. Okay. Right, um, the next one on this list is Arthur, which is called Room to Ride. Um, this is the episode where... I'm sorry, oh, oh, this is the episode featuring Lance Armstrong. Oh, I know about this episode. Okay, so this episode—I have—I have a story to tell you about this. So I remember this episode because it was a big deal back then. So this is the episode in which the school lunch lady, Mrs. McGrady, is revealed to have cancer, and so a lot of the kids are really sad and upset that they, uh, you know, a person that they really love and appreciated who always makes them good food has cancer, especially Francine, and she's very afraid to go over to Mrs. McGrady's house and talk to her because. You know, she's afraid of seeing her in her worst moment. And so there's one scene that Lance Armstrong appears where he's talking to Francine about how he was able to recover from cancer and that there are many ways in which you can be able to spread the awareness of cancer. And then they had they decide to have a bike-a-thon where they're able to raise money for cancer. And so that episode was not only banned because of all of the the stuff that was revealed about Lance Armstrong. They remade this episode again, literally last month, 
where instead of Lance Armstrong, it's a wrestler that was featured in the series and he's revealed to have cancer. And so it's basically the same episode again, but just replaced Lance Armstrong from a wrestler that was featured in Arthur. A Which a wrestler was it? I'm sorry? Which wrestler was it? It's it's a fictional wrestler that is that only been featured in Arthur. Oh, okay. So, I thought I thought you meant like oh, there's a real life wrestler, and I would have thought oh, well no, no, maybe, no, maybe no, today. Oh, you oh trust me, I don't. Oh, trust me, I don't think that they want to make that mistake again. Yeah, because like uh, if they because um, uh, keep in mind Roman Reigns, uh, he suffered from leukemia, and uh, he recently he came back and he went into he, he they had to get treatment and put it back in remission. So like yeah, uh, I would, so, I, they. He's not like one yeah, guy Arthur would have brought in for uh, for an episode. I would have thought, but that's just oh me. sure, sure. But um, yeah, they decided that they were going to um, just use a character that was already featured a few times on the show, and so it's basically the same episode except that it's done in the newer style of animation and it is replaced by a wrestler character. So yes, if you want to be able to find it, I think it's in season, geez, like season 23 or no, 21 or 22. I think that's what the episode is on. It'd be interesting if someone to actually get the band episode and probably get that episode and probably do like a comparison. There's literally not much to compare. The only difference between the two is that you have the wrestler character as opposed to Lance Armstrong. It's literally the same episode. All right. Okay. Uh, moving on, we're going to move on to uh, the next one, which is uh, this episode is from Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, this the, will be interesting. The episode is called Conflict. It is about the Cold War, <laughs> which is oh, I'm pretty sure we was this mentioned in the documentary that you and I watched. I, I can't remember if it was or not. I don't remember. I mean, there was a lot of things that was mentioned in the documentary. Like, um, I remember a lot of the civil rights movement discussion. I remember about when they were sh- almost shutting down PBS. I remember when uh, Mr. Rogers would be visiting a lot of sick kids. But I don't remember any of the Cold War discussion. Yeah, so um, there was five episodes focused squarely on giving kids a crash course on the old, on the Cold War. Five episodes. I didn't realize it was that big. Uh, the paranoia and fear that helped us it's been out of control uh, by the time it aired in 1983. Uh, a strange package delivered to... A corny the beaver is all good king friday needed to suspect him of amassing a nuclear arsenal um letting fear escalate uh, the situation the analogy works but the subject matter was considered too frightening for kids to handle and the storyline was never aired again oh wow rough man that's rough yeah Okay, um, next episode to be banned was the Dexter's Laboratory episode, Rude Removal, which eventually Adult Swim decided to wear as an April Fool's joke. Oh, I remember this episode. This episode was, like, rumored for such the longest time, uh, where they were saying, like, wait a minute, there's a Dexter's Lab episode where they were swearing? And, you know, people were, like, talking about it, like, on forums and such. It's like, oh, it doesn't really exist. But no, you're right. It was featured in Adult Swim as an April Fool's Day joke. And it is literally just Dexter and Dee Dee um, hitting this, you know, they were accidentally hit this experiment where they were, like, really, really angry and it caused them to swear. I mean, of course, the swears have been bleeded out, but yeah, I mean, just the fact that that was able to be aired at all would have been just absolutely shocking. That, that, that episode, actually, I watched that episode. I actually did laugh out loud at that episode. It was actually really funny. Like, but mind you, would I have laughed as hard? I think as a younger kid, I don't think I would have. I don't think. Like, uh, yeah, I just it was it like was you know the concept else. of like, oh yeah, they're doing a swear funny. So yeah. 
I, I mean, know, like, wasn't there, wasn't there a bit like, like when Dexter was like, just like a really, like a, like a, a real shithead to his mom, and like he just like uh, he threw something at her or something like that. Like it was just, a, yeah. It just, it's so out of character. Like you know, it yeah. was, uh, it's something that would have belonged on Adult Swim, not on Cartoon Network. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, that's not to say that there are not episodes like that. I mean, SpongeBob had an episode like that where you know SpongeBob and Patrick saw a swear word by the dumpster and they decided to just like use it because they think it's not a bad word. They just think it's a spice enhancing word that makes conversations really interesting. So the fact that this was like legitimately, yeah, like we're actually swearing. It's like, yeah, I mean, I think it would have been, you know, hilarious if we would have seen more of that, um, if they would have done more episodes like that. But, you know, I can understand like for the 90s, I mean, it would have been like too risky for kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. um, The next one in this list is Sesame Street. Which one? There are so many band episodes. Yeah. You're going to have to help me scream, right? Which one are you talking about? Oh, it's the Wicked Witch episode. Oh, which I think is a bit of a shame because uh, I mean, like, uh, unless I'm mistaken, I mean, like, uh, you know, the Wizard of Oz obviously was like uh, uh, a big thing, you know, when it was released, and it kind of like had the same kind of like effect that it had uh, like on some of the characters who like uh, you know appeared on Star Wars, I think, and so like uh, they were struggling to like get other acts, I think, at that point, and so this was like this was like the original woman who actually starred in the Wizard of Oz as the Wicked Witch. I yeah, think. I think the reason why they banned it was because it really scared a lot of kids. Yeah, and it's very and funny. It, like, it also, it's, it's the episode where Oscar the Grudge finally turns someone to relate to, and that episode gets banned. <laughs> well, don't worry. There is a Mister Rogers episode where Linda Hamilton does appear in the episode, and she does dress up as the Wicked uh, Witch. Margaret but- Hamilton. Yeah, Margaret Hamilton, I'm sorry, not Linda. What what am I talking about? This isn't Terminator. Anyway, but yeah, she does give a very interesting interview with uh, Mr. Rogers where she was talking about like all the stuff that she was doing was make-believe and it was pretend. And yeah, I think that um, if maybe they would have shown Margaret Hamilton, you know, uh, know, as like a regular person before, you know, the whole transformation of the witch. Maybe they did, but I think that kids were just too frightened of it because you have to understand like, you know, for a lot of kids, the Wicked Witch of the West was like their first like major villain and they were like really scared of her. Like, you know, how menacing and evil that she was. So Yeah, I, I, th- I think they, they needed to play this a bit differently. I think they kind of needed to kind of like play her as like a figure of fun really rather than like, you know, hey, she's the villain out of the, out of the Wizard of Oz because like, uh, you know, if you're going to play her as like, you know, the villain out of the Wizard of Oz, of course people are going to be terrified of her. She was like, for a lot of people, like she was the original villain. You know, so uh, I think uh, they needed to play it differently. I think, you know, if, if I was around the, uh, again, like, I would be very privileged to be around the uh, Sesame Street script writing team, but I would have, like, said, yeah, you might want to, like, kind of make fun of her, really, rather than kind of, like, play her as, like, a serious villain in this show. Yeah. Especially, when, yeah, especially yeah. even the target exactly. audience. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of the uh, the Game of Thrones clip where you have like the characters from Game of Thrones who are essentially the bad guys, but you have Elmo coming along and saying, "Oh, you know, Elmo taught me about uh, being nice and saying please and thank you." That's fun, and I think that you know, showing off the villains from Game of Thrones in a more you know calmer way that can be able to lure kids in was, I think that that would have been the proper way to do it. Mm-hmm. And finally, the last uh, episode that's on this ban list is, as not surprising, it's the Pokemon episode that basically created uh, a lot of, like, uh, seizures for uh, Japanese kids who ended up in hospital. Like, 700 children ended up in hospital because of this. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, to be to be quite honest, I mean, you told me that oh, here's a band episode of Pokemon, and I'm like, which band episode of Pokemon? Because there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's the well, there's the one where they basically put kids in hospital. There's the uh, the one with the where uh, J- uh, J- uh, Jesse gets like inflatable breasts and like uh, James, like, <laughs> James gets the inflatable breasts. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, which makes no freaking sense. And uh, uh, in, in context, it does because they're entering a bikini contest. But and, I mean, you know, I mean, the way that it's drawn, how in a, there, there, there's no way, I mean, unless you're saying that, like, you know, he, well, look how it's drawn. Like, how in yeah, a, I know, the, I know. It, it, they're balloons. That's the thing. They're no, balloons. No, no, they're the, like, they look like they're actually, they actually look like, you know, they're attached to his chest. Oh, I know. Which, you know, like, uh, drawing, I mean, they're not like, you know, if, if they were hidden under, like, a shirt or, like, hidden under, like, you know, a, a really well padded bra. I would understand that, you know, like if it was like made to look like, oh yeah, it looks like there's, you know, there's something fake under there. But no, it, they actually drew him into like having, he actually looked like he had breasts. Which is oh, kind of like, <laughs> oh, Japan. Yeah, like, you know, if they said, oh, he got reconstructed surgery, like I probably would have accepted it. But, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, no, I don't believe those are balloons for, uh, you know, like, uh, it's just, it's, uh, it, it, I just put it down to like weird anime drawing. That's all I can say. Okay, let, let's talk about the actual one. But so yeah, I mean, this is the episode that the only to- the only time in which Porygon was featured in an episode, and it just so happens to be one that nobody can ever see because when Pikachu let out its electric shock and then um, you know destroyed the missiles that um, was about to go after them, and then all the flashing lights happened. Yeah, it did bring a lot of kids into the hospital, which is why you can never see it again. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I think they did actually did post it up, but I think they like slowed down the strobing. So like uh, they it, did, they did slow down the strobing. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah, you very uh, very sensible thing to do. Right. Okay. Well, we saw that uh, segment out, so I think we should move on. Um. So um, Reggie, the legend Reggie from Nintendo of America fame, has decided that he's decided to call it a day over at uh, the GameSpot and is now retired from the board of directors. So. Yeah, so he retired from Nintendo to go over to GameStop, and now he's saying that he's retiring from this as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if this was like before the major uh, stock event happened, I could um, see why he wanted to because GameStop has been like at its absolute lowest for the longest time. But, you know, the fact that he says, yeah, there's not really much that I can do here. I'm just going to retire from this. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't blame you, Reggie. Yeah, like, it's just, just a shame as well, because, like, this is a very disappointing end, I think, uh, for Reggie, because, like, this is the guy who walked into VHU1 and got every adult watching that station, and then he walked into Nintendo of America and got everyone excited about Nintendo again when they were at their lowest point, their lowest point. And then, you know, everyone thought, oh, hey, he's going to go to GameStop and he's going to do some really amazing stuff. And uh, let's be honest, he, he was not obviously responsible for that, for the stock going up in price. I think we can all agree on that because obviously, well, you know, there was the whole Wall Street best thing on Reddit. And obviously they all conspired together basically to uh, inflate the, um, you know, the, uh, the the price of the, of the stock market to uh, obviously stop it from being crashed. So like, you know, a load of bunch of, a bunch of head fund managers was obviously going to get, get you know, rich off the deal. So they did that to, to stop that. Uh, by the way, recently, I think the company posted a $215 million loss. 
So like uh, they're still they're still you know doing pretty badly over at uh, over at GameStop. But um, yeah, it's um, a bit disappointing really that um, you know someone like Reggie who's who's you know phenomenally talented and uh, you know I guess maybe he just thought he maybe he can go into GameStop and he can be like the savior of them as well. But uh, no, like uh, you know he ended up. Uh, you know, kind of like being pushed to the side, really, and uh, all the people on the internet talks talk to the reins to try and save GameStop. So, uh, you know, a company that just refuses to, like, uh, to modernize, you know? That's the thing, is that the fact that they haven't been able to modernize their ways of business, they, they still do the whole stupid thing of, hey, you rent a game, or, oh, you want to sell a game that's been pre-used? Uh, you need to pay, um, we need to pay you like a certain amount of money that's like way lower than what you deserve. And also the fact that um, their structure is pretty dated nowadays, especially since a lot of people do their stuff online. And the way that they were able to treat the whole pandemic thing is just absolutely awful. So the fact that this whole stock market thing that happened a few months ago is nothing more than just a miracle that they were able to pick themselves up for just like a few moments and you're right i was excited that reggie fisame with all the work that he's done for nintendo was going to be able to do the same thing for gamestop but no it, it just turned out that it was just only there for like a few years and i guess there wasn't really much to, that he could do and so well, that's it well he wasn't he didn't kick any ass and take any names and i think that was his problem so uh yeah i mean do you think he could have um, no, I think, uh, I, mean, I think at that point, I think it was pretty much too late. I think, uh, you know, the ship has sailed at that point, I think, when he left, you know, so, uh, uh, when, when I think, uh, here's the thing, like, uh, you know, GameStop, I think, I think he was up against it, I think, you know, the company was losing money, it was losing fans, it was losing, uh, you know, stores were closing all, all the fans, you know, the, the UK division had gone, like, you know, like, it was just, it was, uh, I think it was done, you know, I, I just think it was done. And, uh, you know, but uh, everyone else, uh, but then obviously the, all the, all the shit that was, uh, going on behind the scenes, I mean, if, if, uh, all, if the, all the greed that happened on Wall Street didn't happen, I don't think we'd be talking, I think we'd be talking about GameStop going out of business, I think at yeah. this point, I don't think we would have been talking about like, uh, you know, the fact that uh, a guy over at Wall Street bets, you know, was so angry about the, uh, you know, the financial crisis in 2008 that uh, he wasn't going to let it happen against GameStop. And then obviously he, so he rallied everybody and that's how we, that's where we got, you know? So like uh, you know it was uh, it's it's been such a strange mind you um, I was going to see if uh, Reggie like either write you know if he I don't know if he's does he have he has he ever written a book or like written a memoir or like his time being you know um, in in the bit in the gaming business at all no like I I would so. I would love to I would love to see if if he wrote a book I would love to read about all the time at Nintendo trying like bringing that from the brink and also I would love to hear about what happened at the behind the scenes of GameStop when all this shit was going on. You know, like yeah, imagine what he was, Yeah, I would love to hear what he was thinking about that. So yeah, yeah, I, and maybe who knows? Maybe even do a documentary about it. That'd be great too. Yeah. Um. Anyway, moving on from GameStop, uh, Metroid Prime 2D demo has been released. Um, Patricia, you got the lowdown on this. Oh yeah. So uh, there has been a project that has been on the works uh, on the works for 15 years. It is called Prime 2D. So it is essentially Metroid Prime in a 2D perspective. So for people who are saying, ah, I mean, I don't like playing Metroid Prime on the 3D perspective because it's distracting and I can't really get into it. Well, say no more because there is a demo that you can be able to check out right now. Uh, I, I'm gonna. I, I don't know if I we could like link the website or anything like that. But um, 
yeah well, it's it, up on your twitter then you tweet about it so it's up on your twitter feed so oh, that's what it that. is so yeah go, go check that out anyway so yeah a, a group of developers were inspired to remake metroid prime as a 2d side scroller and then they had decided hey uh, this is all the work that we've been doing for the longest time uh go check it out and it looks really really good i mean they were able to do talent four in a way that just looked so rich and detailed and they were able to put in all the other um unique elements from like the classic 2d metroid games into this and I would recommend, I mean, it's, I, I, now, I, when the whole game is complete, I'm definitely going to do a let's play of it because, I mean, it's like, looks really good. It's almost like right up there with another Metroid 2 remake in terms of how um, incredible it just looks and how just the the hard work they put into it is absolutely astonishing. I mean, this is, seriously, Nintendo, pay attention. The fans are out there are making these amazing games and you're not doing anything. You're going to most likely do a cease and desist, which, you know, that, that's what happened with um, Dr. M64 when he did another Metroid 2 remake, when at the time, the only thing that fans had anything to look forward to was Metroid Prime Federation Force. It's like, really? This is the game that we're going to be getting after Metroid Other M? Okay, whatever. So, yeah, uh, please look it up. It's amazing. Just the fans, you've done it once again. You have saved the Metroid franchise as opposed to Nintendo. Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry, babe. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, know we should, I know we shouldn't be doing this during the show, but uh, I just found this really hilarious tweet for Easter, and uh, I'm just going to share it with you now because I want to <laughs> get, uh, get everyone get your reactions to this as well. Like, okay. Uh, Oh. <laughs> oh my uh, on the third day he's risen Shrek is love, Shrek is life <laughs> Wow Oh yeah like um, I'll uh, I don't know no, 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 I'll probably link it in like in the, uh, in the when I post the episode but uh, <laughs> oh. And on the third day our meme lord has risen from the grave. Yeah. Somebody once told me the world's gonna help me. He's gonna raise from the grave. <laughs> <He's risen. laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna miss this show. I really am. Uh, so. Wow. Okay, right. And finally, well, that was really good. And finally, I think, but uh, we'll talk about. We're going to talk about what we talked about over the last couple of months, and uh, that was uh, a recap of In Search of the Crystal Skull. So um, we decided to theme In Search of the Crystal Skull Hidden Gems Month, and uh, we did find I would say probably three hidden gems, and I would say one dud. I think I would say, but uh, so uh, we talked about uh, the adventurers uh, down under. We talked about uh, UHF. Uh, we talked about uh, Be Kind Rewind, and uh, the third one, the fourth one, goes flying out of my head. So uh, rockets here. The rockets here, yeah. So I mean, uh, I think we'll just start off with uh, the rescuers down under. I think uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, like, would it be fair to say that this was like the kickoff of like you know the Renaissance era? I think before the Little Mermaid obviously became became came to prominence. I think uh, well, because no, because the Little Mermaid was the major kickoff for Disney. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, like if you look at the, uh, I mean, you could say that the Rescuers Down Under was uh, somewhat kind of a prototype. I think you could say because after the, you know, because Rescuers Down Under, it looked like uh, it looked so different from like whatever uh, you know Disney had brought out before then. 
You know. Okay, yeah, it, it is true. I we did mention this on the podcast that The Rescuers Down Under was the very first Disney movie that utilized the cap system, and The Little Mermaid was the last one after over twenty years in which they stopped using the Xerox method. So yes, I would say animation wise, it was a major cornerstone, and it would be for the next fourteen years until Home on the Range. So yes. It was a major contender when it came to its animation style. Story-wise, no, because it didn't utilize any of like the musical numbers that Disney would be known for for the next decade. And uh, and as for like its adventure side, not really, because it came out in a time in which when even the Crocodile Dundee movies were kind of dated. So it did feel like a movie that would have came out like a few years ago. So they decided to go for a more timeless direction where they were leaning more towards like classic fairy tales and ancient stories like Arabian Nights and the Legends of Hercules and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, this is definitely the black sheep of the bunch. And they wouldn't really use this kind of concept for a while. I, I would say, like, it, it's it's very experimental, kind of like the, the early 2000s Disney movies where they try to do, like, Atlantis, the Lost Empire and Treasure Planet in which they were trying to like gain gear towards a different direction and it didn't pan out very well. So but, but to be fair though, I think to the rescuers, I mean, in regards to box office wise, I mean, obviously it wasn't uh, a big success in that regard. But uh, I mean, there were litigated circumstances because, you know, what, what big movie came out during its time? Home Alone. Home Alone, exactly. And also, we'll talk about that as well. There was also Rocky V, which obviously, the Rocky franchise, obviously, itself is a you know, is a pretty legendary uh, bunch of movies. And then Child's Play 2 came out, which is a really anticipated sequel. You know, so, like, yeah. uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, the, uh, the Rescue Was Down Under was uh, sandwiched amongst all of that, and uh, it just didn't, he uh, just wasn't able to cope. Even though, like, uh, critics did praise The Rescue Was Down Under for being pr a pretty good movie. So, they pr uh, for its animation style, story-wise, they were kind of mixed with it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, uh, it's a shame, really. Like, imagine if this actually did pretty well. Like, uh, we would have probably got more Rescuer movies, probably. And, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, like, because, uh, uh, I mean, like, uh, didn't we, like, say that there was going to be, like, a series coming out at some point? I think. Uh, um, no, no, not a series for Rescuers. Uh, Rocketeer is the one that already had. Oh, sorry. A yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the Rocketeer because obviously we're uh, we're going to be talking about that because so uh, this was effectively like the prototype for like basically what the Marvel movies were going to be based on. And uh, yeah, I think it, it, just, it was just it just came out like you know twenty years too early. Mm -hmm. So um, I th I still like this movie. You know, like uh, it's been a while since I like saw it, saw it before, but uh, I still think it's definitely one you should, people should definitely check out. You know, like uh, it's uh, it's got a lot of excitement in it, and uh, it's got a lot of fun, you know, funny moments in it too. And obviously, it's got a really like uh, you know very interesting twist at the very end as well. So like, uh, but uh, the one thing I will say about it is I still don't believe that mafia people would have like turned around and said, "Oh well, you know, uh, I may be a crook, but I'm also an American." I don't know. Like, uh, I felt that 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 whole thing was a bit forced for me. But, mm. uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I still argued that it probably would have happened, considering that, um, you know, uh, you know, depending on who it was, they were very anti-Nazi and very pro-American. So I would say that, yeah, this movie was a very fun movie. Uh, I liked the main protagonist. I liked uh, the persona of the Rocketeer. I thought that the villain was actually really cool and very uh, sly and kind of like a very sneaky, persuasive kind of character that, like, you know... Well, he, of, he was a Nazi, so I think uh, I think we can uh, definitely, you know... 
<laughs> he was a pretty I mean, tough. Well, I mean, we didn't know that until like toward the end of the movie, where he was like he was like the Errol Flynn of the movie, where he was like this action pack you know, um, actor that a lot of people like really loved and respected. Why Bond? Why? (laughs) (laughs) And then he went on to uh, basically be the owner of a supermarket in, uh, in uh, Soundfield, uh, Gloucestershire, and he had a fight with Simon Pegg. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. So that was that. And uh, then the next movie after that, actually, you know, um, for those of you who do not know, uh, UHF was actually a uh, a really quick swap out because I believe we were going to be reviewing something else before yes, UHF. We were. So, yes, we were. So here's the story. So we listed all of the movies that we were going to do a few months in advance. And it turns out that sometimes Rotten Tomatoes can actually change it, uh, their, their scores if there's either new critics or additional um, tweaks to the website where they like remove like old reviews of people that they don't count as critics anymore. So we were originally going to do Chaplin, the Robert Downey Jr. movie, where it was a a biography of silent film star Charlie Chaplin. And at the time, it was 60%, which was in our Crystal Skull territory. But then before we recorded the podcast, we looked it up and it was 59%. So the score had changed since then and we had to find another movie at the last minute. And so UHF was the one that popped up. Yeah. So uh, Weird Al Al Yankovic made a movie. So uh, that's... (laughs) And it definitely has Weird Al Yankovic written all over it. It's uh, definitely... uh, one of those, uh, one of those movies that he did, and uh, you know, like uh, I, I love this movie. I really do. Like uh, it's like uh, I love the whole premise of like all of a sudden, like uh, they just like stuck with this television station and like it's failing, and then it's just all it's doing is just uh, showing reruns. They don't know what else to do with it, and so they try their best to kind of like you know bring something fresh and new into it, but obviously their whole thing just kind of fails, and uh, it's just a miserable experience for them both. And then the whole thing's going to close like within a week. So then they get the janitor to like say, oh hey well, you know, this whole thing's going to be gone soon, so just, uh, you know, go off and do a show. And he turns out to be a phenomenal hit. You know, like, he's the, he's like the, he's like Mr. Rogers on steroids, basically. So, um, he ends up becoming the star of the whole, the whole thing, and then they obviously think they have a chance to then make money, and obviously you don't make this whole thing go on. And so, um, I love this whole movie. I like, uh, I would watch it again, you know, if uh, someone invited me to do so. You know, and uh, really? I, I know it, uh, and it saddens me that you know it didn't do you know well. You know, it was it was a box office failure. You know, like it uh, was it was, it was a it was terrible, and I can probably imagine it set Weird Al Yankovic back. You know, a good couple of decades. You know, a good couple of years. I think if yeah, it, it, set him, it set him back two years. He went through a two-year slump until he wrote that parody song of Nirvana, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Mm-hmm. But before then, you know, he thought that this movie was going to be like really good. He thought that the fan base that he had gained from, you know, doing Michael Jackson's Fat and um, Madonna's Like a Surgeon was going to like really propel him into like this next big pop culture icon akin to like Ernest P. Worrell or Pee Wee Herman. But no, it didn't happen. The movie was a major flop, and we already talked about why, because it came out around the same time a lot of other movies that are considered classics came out. Yeah, the, 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 this, this thing got put through the meat grinder, basically. Like, uh, let's just go through some of the movies that uh, I think uh, that came out at the time. Like, sure. Uh, we, was, okay, so the ne- okay, so we have um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Ghostbusters have- 2, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Lethal Weapon 2, b- the, b- the first Batman. Like, you know, which went to the revival of the character. Licensed to Kill, which is a James Bond movie. When Harry Met Sally, which is like, you know, a legendary movie. And Weekend of Bernie's just, oh, 
Like, yeah. uh, releasing a movie then, knowing what we know now, we would have thought you were fucking crazy. And uh, maybe Will Dell Yankovic was crazy, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, like, a lot of the movies that we've just mentioned just now, like, uh, you can kind of understand why v- why UHF just are lost in the shuffle. Like, uh, it's, it's so sad. It, 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 it is. And the fact that even, like, when it was released on VHS, it was a very, very limited release, and they they were out of print for many years because nobody was buying them. But then it started gaining a massive cult following when, you know, those old VHS tapes that were like very limited to find became bootlegged. And then it was like shared around in like midnight screenings and movie nights and people were just watching it. And then they just gravitated to it. And then it became an explosion when it hit DVD around the two thousands. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like, uh, if you if you really like, you know, really quirky movies with Real Yankovic and, uh, you know, you're willing to forgive, you know, Kramer for that, uh, you know, that N-word, uh, you know, debacle that happened, you know, several year, decades later, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, we definitely should say check this movie out, you know? So, like, uh, mm-hmm. I think, uh, actually, I think, out of all of them, was this, like, the one that we recommended out of the, out of the four? Yes, think, it yeah. was the only, yeah, it was the one that we recommended the most out of the four because it was the one that we gave the highest score so far. We yeah, gave we it a 9 out of 10. Oh, yeah, we did. So, uh, and then unfortunately, we hit rock bottom, I think, uh, with uh, this uh, movie, Be Kind Rewind, which, you know, uh, it basically kicked off the whole Swede uh, phenomenon, which, uh, you know, is obviously you can see on YouTube where people are like, you know, trying to film movies like within 20 minutes on VHS tapes and things like that. And uh, that's, I'm glad that it, like, you know, whole the whole thing kind of like uh, kicked off from that. But uh, in regards to like this movie itself, I don't know. It's like, it's one of those once and never again kind of movies for me. Like, uh, I'll watch it once, but then I won't really find an excuse to kind of watch it again, I don't think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I really gl- the one thing I will definitely say is that uh, the movie didn't kind of like wimp out in the final, in like in the final act. Like uh, it didn't say, oh, you know, like, it wasn't like UHF where like, oh yeah, we saved the studio. Like, oh yeah, we saved the theater. Like in the Muppets, oh yeah, we like we uh, we did it. We did it, guys. Like no, like uh, they didn't do it. They basically made this movie and then it just kind of fades off and uh, it's just assumed that eventually they ought to move out of the neighborhood. You yeah. Know? I mean, they wanted to go in a more realistic ending. It's like, yeah, they weren't able to save the neighborhood. Yeah, they weren't able to get the funds that they needed. Yeah, the VHS store is going to be shut down. Yeah, everybody's going to be losing that part of the neighborhood. But hey, they got their video done and they're able to watch it triumphantly. So there's that. Mm hmm. So, um, yeah, like, but, uh, you know, to me, and uh, this might sound very controversial to people, but I think that's Jack Black's worst performance. I really do. I I didn't enjoy Jack Black in this. Like, uh, it was just, it was, uh, I think he's done better in in voice acting roles. I think he's done better in, uh, I actually liked him in School of Rock, I've got to be honest with you. Sure. Like, some, you know, some people might, uh, he, you know, School of Rock is a guilty pleasure for me, but uh, I did like him in that movie, and, I, and also in uh, also in the, uh, in the in the King Kong movie that he did, I also liked his performance in that too. But yeah. uh, and also, we mind you, his uh, his one thing that always win me over is basically being Poe in uh, in Kung Fu Panda. Like, uh, I'll, oh, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll always adore those movies. But uh, yeah, yeah we, it, we both love them. This was kind of a sobering of like what you know. You know, Jab Black basically can't take a bad character and unfortunately can't make anything of it, unfortunately. He has to have a well-written character for him to kind of, like, emote to, I think. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, so... 
Um, I don't necessarily blame Jack Black in Barbie and, and all of that, but uh, I mean, at the same time, he doesn't really, he can't really do anything to kind of like, you know, uh, recover the character to me to make him feel relatable or kind of like rescue him at any particular point, which is sad to think. So. No, it's, it's really a shame that we had to end it on such a really rough note, considering that, you know, these are movies that have been overlooked for the longest time and for various reasons. And we wanted to highlight, hey, you know, these movies are overlooked gems and we want you to be able to give more attention to them. And I would say that for each of them, they have varying degrees. Like The Rescuers Down Under is definitely one of the more overlooked Disney classics. Um, we have The Rocketeer, which is another overlooked Disney classic. We have the UHF, which is an amazing movie that's one of the best comedies ever made. And then Be Kind of Rewind is kind of like a really awkward phase in which, like, it's trying to be, like, this, you know, quirky little indie movie about the, the love and passion of making movies. And it, it just comes across as, like, yeah, but I've seen this done better elsewhere and it's not as condescending and kind of, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to use the word pretentious because... Um, you know, like people with like like Jack Black's character where he's like this conspiracy nut, but it does come across as something like, yeah, it feels like they're trying a little too hard to us for us to like relate to this character, even though that he's kind of unrelatable and uh, the neighborhood that they're at, which is kind of like a lost cause and we're supposed to root for them to get the neighborhood back on track and... You know, and we even said this on the podcast that this movie just feels dated in all the wrong places. Like the movie came out in 2008, but yet it feels like a movie that came out around like maybe 2001 or 2002 because, they, they, you know, not, not, to, not to talk about like the whole VHS thing. That's not what we're talking about. But there was no mention of social media, no mention of YouTube or Blip being like the new ways of our entertainment. Like there should have been at least maybe one or two references to that. I don't know. It just... It just feels like there was just something missing there. Yeah. So, everybody, that was In Search of the Crystal Skull. And by the way, we won't be ending on a bad note. We will be bringing it back in the future. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, uh, we did have a good time with uh, looking back on all of the stuff that we've been talking about and just uh, giving our commentary and our thoughts on it and... I just have to say, we want to thank you so much for all of your amazing support. We do really appreciate it. Cool. All right, guys. Well, that will do it. So um, this is us uh, now signing off for a month. We will be bringing back Aaron and Patricia very soon. So uh, we'll be looking to uh, May for that. And uh, by the time we do that, hopefully we'll move back into our new studio. So uh, when we bring back Studio One. So, but until then, um, I hope everyone enjoys the uh, month where we finally uh, bring back all the uh, Dream Machine and uh, the uh, uh, Mix episodes, and uh, we finally get them up onto the Aaron Metal Show podcast feed. And uh, yeah, but until then, uh, take care, everybody. Uh, thanks very much for listening for these last 55 episodes, and uh, we will see you in May. Take care, and bye for now. See you around, everyone. <laughs>